Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this passage, this scripture, this psalm that David sang out, cried out. as he was running in fear for his life. Lord, may it be our prayer as we walk this path. May we be reminded that you are a shield for us, a protector over our lives. Thank you for allowing us to come to be a part this morning to be together, to commune at the table, Lord, and to be reminded of the sacrifice that was given. And Lord, as we look at this scripture this morning, we're reminded of the humanness of Jesus. And Lord, it'd be easy to say, well, he had superpowers and he he was God himself and all those Pieces. And yet, Lord, we look at the scripture and we see the man, the human, in his words. We see the concern. We see his prayers as honest reflections of what he's feeling. It's easy for us to think that he has suit of armor on and yet scripture tells us he emptied himself and became man so that we would understand that we would recognize his example of perfection but as we plan to sit around the table as we listen to your words today remind us of the love that sent him to the cross In your name we pray. Amen. The scripture this morning is out of Matthew 26, 36 through 46. I don't know if yours has it on top. Mine says Gethsemane right on the, as a, as a top of the, uh, the title. Obviously that wasn't what was in the the original text, but it helps us this morning to remember what is going on and where they're at. It says, And Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over and pray. He took Peter and, two, and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch for me for an hour? He asked Peter, 
Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. May God add his blessing as we prepare. Soften our hearts. Open our ears that we might hear your voice this morning. That your words would be spoken in a powerful way because you are a mighty God. Open us up. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Sure do like that noise. I don't know about you guys. But I'm all about making noise, and that's a pretty good sound. Coming out of the balcony and around the corner. And they're, my ki- they're not my kids, so I don't have to tell them not to run. That's right, even when you tell them to not listen to me, right? So this week... Um, in our series of Up From the Ashes, or talking about those things in our own life that we need to work on and change, areas in our own life, and areas in uh, today as we see how Jesus did uh, life. Today we're going to talk a little bit about prayer. I want to share this with you in the beginning because I, I want you to think about this, uh, because as I thought about prayer in my own life, and what I do uh, with others, this probably is more true than I really want it to be. Prayer is something we talk much more about than we actually do. We offer it more than we administer it. Think about that for a minute. We offer it more than we administer it. And what I mean by that is we offer to pray for people a lot more than we actually pray for people. I'm not saying we don't pray for people, but rather I think if I'm being honest with myself, I will tell people that I pray for them and I need to do a better job of just stopping at that moment and praying with them. They're not asking me to pray for them in three weeks. There's a struggle and they need prayer then. As believers in Christ, we need to do a better job praying with those who have struggles. This morning's story, I don't know about you, but this this morning's passage is, uh, you'll hear me say this a lot, but it is one of my favorites. When I look at my favorites, they come back. I always come back to this 
this passage, this piece, uh, these 10 verses as my, one of my favorites. And I think the reason that I so appreciate this passage is it's so real and so raw. And it shows Jesus in a very human way. We had a discussion on Wednesday night about prayer. And someone, and I don't, we never got to finish this part of, this, the, of the discussion, so I can't remember even who it was. I don't remember. Someone said, well, I'm not sure if he was all that upset. I believe that he was extremely upset and concerned. I believe this passage shows the humanness of Jesus. That he emptied himself, as Philippians says. He became man. He was able to understand our plight because he was human. See, I think all too often, our mindset is that Jesus walked this earth with a bunch of armor on. Like, like even though he was a man and he was born of a woman and he grew up and we know that he went to the temple and he got lost like kids get lost and his mom freaked out, right? Remember that, we remember that story. We get this sense that somehow Jesus had this, this S under his shirt, you know? Like if he were to unbutton his, his cloak, we would see the S, the Superman underneath there. And that he had this special magical power, right? It was like invisible uh, a shield that protected him from everything that we would deal with in life. And it's easy to believe that mindset. It's easy to take out the humanness in Jesus because he lived perfection. And has anybody here lived perfection? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> well, we have one liar. <laughs> the reality is, right, none of us have lived perfection. And so in our minds, we have a hard time understanding that how could someone go a day, right? How could someone go a month or a year or 33 years? How could someone go that long and not sin, not make a mistake, not cause harm to someone else? Not, that, that's hard for us to understand. And so we think there's, there's magic power in, the, in Jesus. He was God himself. And I don't, take, I don't want to take that away. But I want you to think about this in a human perspective. Because Philippians says, he made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death on the cross. This humanness shows up in today's passage. It shows up in his prayers and in his prayer life. We see Jesus pray periodically in the Gospels. But this one I think is, to me, the most real, maybe the most understanding for me. Because it, it reflects to me the perspective of, of the understanding of what he's about to walk into. 
He knows what's going to happen. And he knows it's not good. And so what can we learn from Jesus this morning? What can we learn from the way he prays and the way he acts and responds, right? We know the story that right before this was what we would call the Last Supper. Have you ever been a part of a real good meal? A nice, big, heavy, your stuff to the gills meal? Wednesday. Wednesday was a good example, yeah. Yesterday, Amy and I got a chance to go to... Uh, see friends in Pittsburgh, and my, my friend in Pittsburgh, is uh, she's from Thailand, and so uh, she came over as an adult, and so she can cook Thai food. Well, my wife not so much, but I, am, I like Thai food. I like it spicy, and I like lots of it, right? So we went down there to have lunch, dinner-ish, some slash in there, and so about 3 o'clock, I hear she's out cooking, and we're in the living room just talking to her husband, and, and we, I see one plate go by the kitchen. I see another plate. I hear the oil, bur- the oil frying. I hear all this noise. Another plate goes by. Another plate goes by. I can smell the rice in the rice cooker. Man, we're about ready to have a feast. And my, I laughed. I saw my wife. What, what a lot of times what they do is they'll take a bowl, and they'll fill that thing full of rice, right? Pack it in there, and then flop it upside down. So the, on your plate is a bowl of rice that's that big and that high. That's where we start. <laughs> and my wife was like, oh, <laughs> that's all rice. And then, then of course, there was, um, there was some kind of salad uh, that had translucent noodles and didn't have much lettuce, did it? A couple little pieces of celery, I think. So if, you're a, if you like salad, it was, and it had shrimp and it had pork and it, it was pretty good. And it was this great great sauce on that and then there was this chicken cashew and that was excellent and then there was beef <laughs> there was beef with uh potatoes right i don't remember what it's called there's probably some thai name for it but i it didn't really matter just just wanted to <laughs> and there was more than you could eat right there's four of us and when we were done there was still another two or three meals left there uh and when we got done with that, it was like, oh, we got to drive home. <laughs> I got to drive home and keep my eyes open for the next two hours. We stayed long enough to let it settle, you know. <laughs> and uh, we stopped to get coffee on the way home so we could, we, we survived. But I wonder if the disciples hadn't had a real good meal. And if you've done the Seder meal, you know how the, the Seder meal works. Maybe we can understand just for a minute why they fell asleep. Why after they stopped uh, moving, they had some struggles. Maybe it was late at night, and it did get late at night. But I want to focus this morning on, on what Jesus said. And if your, your scripture is like mine, it's, Got a lot of red in, in, wrapped in today's. And I want to start out on uh, verse 38. Whoops, sorry, I'm on the wrong. Verse 38 talks about praying. Maybe there we go. Praying our honest reflections. 
And I want to talk just real quick about that, about being honest with God. I wonder how often we don't get honest with God thinking that somehow if we don't tell him what's really going on inside, he won't know. Jesus says this, he shares this in in the verse. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus says, I am so broken up about what is about to happen. I feel like I might die. I wonder how often we're really honest and, and real about our feelings to others and to God. How often are we really willing to share what we're feeling? I think all too often, this is what happens. Right? We really don't have a real reflection of what's going on internally. We aren't, we aren't able to be honest with ourselves first. Then we can't be honest with anyone else. We put on a pretty smile when we're really struggling to make it through the day. When our life is feeling out of sorts, And we pray like everything is all hunky-dory. Jesus reminds us in this passage, things are not going well. I am overwhelmed with sorrow. I'm struggling with what's about to happen. I wonder how often and how the rest of us are much like the disciples. Hey, stay awake and watch with me, (laughs) right? For the next five minutes until you fall asleep. Jesus is sharing a real emotion, where he's at, really, where he's really at. And all too often, we're, we're more than willing to not share our true feelings, our true emotions, our true struggles in life. Sometimes we don't even know how we feel or what we're feeling inside. And if there's one place you can take those to that you can trust they won't be trampled all over, it's obviously God. If you can't take it to your spouse or your family or your friends or anywhere else, you can take it to God. And if you can't take it to God, where are you taking it? I think all too often we struggle in our prayer life not being real with God. Not taking the chance to say what needs to be said. You want to up your prayer life? Say it out loud. Find a quiet place where no one else can hear you and say it out loud. Speak the words to God. Your real feelings, your real emotions, your real fears and concerns. 
take them to God. Jesus, in his humanness, understood there was one place he could go. And he took it to God. One of the struggles that we have is that we begin to look at things from a skewed viewpoint if we're not honest about our feelings and our emotions. One of my favorite things of the healing journey that I most appreciate is the idea of victim mentality. One of the, one of the things that they learn in healing journey is to, to take what you have been wronged and, and understand that some of it is true and some of it is you being the victim. And this victim mentality is everybody's out to get me. And one of the healing points of the healing journey is this. You have to let go of the victim mentality. Why? Because we all have sinned. God's grace is big enough for each one of us. We have been offered grace. We, in turn, must offer grace. See the picture in the background? What's that picture? Any thoughts? Brian, what's that picture? Yeah, what's he write? What do you write? You remember? Oh, you're right. Dang it. Throw the right, right. Throw you who have not sinned, throw the first stone, huh? I think the first step in understanding and praying to God in an honest and real way is understanding that we are sinners who need grace. Quit blaming others for our struggles. Step away from that mentality. Step away from that mindset that says that someone else has wronged me. Deal with my own stuff. Because I have sinned. And that's where it needs to begin. Jesus did not sin. The scriptures tell us he did not sin. But I personally, you personally have sinned. And so when we go to God, we need to be for, uh, very much in the, in the forefront of our minds. That that's where it begins. Asking for forgiveness for the things that we have done wrong. Being clear with God that it's the grace that he gives us is the reason we have standing with him. Beginning our prayer by asking for forgiveness in those areas where we have wronged God and others. And then we see Jesus' prayer. And, and, and this morning I'll ask you to ask your hearts. Jesus says, my father, if it is possible to let this cup of suffering be taken away. Yet, not what I want. Not, your, not my will, but your will be done. Do you hear what he's asking there? What's he asking? What's the cup? The cup of suffering, right? The, right, the cup of his blood. He had just gone through 
sitting around the table. And he understood what that cup meant, that there would be suffering. A lot of suffering. Suffering that would kill him. And this is the part I really, I really appreciate. He says, if, you can, if it's possible, if there's a possibility to do this in a different way, take that cup from me. Do you see the humanness there? Do you see his human side? If there's a different way, God, then take it from me. But if there isn't, then I'll do your will. I wonder how, how rarely we ask really what is on our hearts. And how often we take our prayers to God with our fingers crossed between, behind our back. You know what that means, right? What's it mean when we cross our fingers behind our back? Right, we don't, thank you, Tom. We don't really mean it, right? We hope it happens, but, but we don't want to hang our hat on that, so we put our, cross our fingers behind our back. We don't want to tell anybody what we're praying for because it might not come true, and we might look like we don't have the faith. He says, no, offer your heart. Here is my heart. I set it out in front of you, God. Here it is. I give it to you. If it is possible that you take this cup from me. If you could find a way, take it from me. But if not, I'll do your will. Pure honesty in the sense that Jesus understood what was about to happen. He understood it was about to get ugly. He understood that he was going to be beaten and that he would die. And he put his heart out there. I wonder how many of us hedge our bets when we ask God to work in our life. We hedge our bet and then we wonder why God doesn't respond. We're afraid to be honest with Him and to put the things out there that need to be put out there and to give Him the due that he deserves. Finally, we see Jesus, verse 42. Father, if it's not possible that this cup be taken from me, unless I drink it, may your will be done. He says this, this twice. We only see it written once, but they say he does it a... Um, Matthew says he does it a, a, a third time. He prays a third time. My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, 
May your will be done. How often do we give God room in our prayers to work? How often do we step aside and say, Your will be done in this situation, God. Your will be done in my life. I had this great countdown and I almost played it this morning. It was a prayer vending machine. And these people walked up to the vending machine and there was all this like success and uh, money and there was just all these different things and people walked up and said, and they start praying in front of this vending machine and they start pushing buttons, right? Thinking they're going to get success, they're going to get money, they're going to get a new car, they're going to get whatever it was and the, the whole idea was, and at the end, of course, the buttons didn't work, <laughs> And so they started to freak out. And they started to get really mad because they had prayed about it. Now it should come true. One kid's like, and, I, and Lord, I really would like that Corvette I saw. And uh, if you could make it apple candy, apple red, that'd be great too. And, uh, and I wonder how often we take those prayers to God. that are some selfish. And we aren't able to speak like Jesus spoke. Your will be done in this situation. See, I think the biggest challenge in prayer is that when it doesn't turn out the way we want it to turn out, it's hard for us to get over that. We get resentful. We almost believe that God somehow didn't hear our prayer or even worse, he didn't care about our prayer, right? He doesn't care about me. He didn't hear my need or my wants. And we almost believe that prayer is not powerful or effective. That somehow prayer doesn't work like it's supposed to work. Like God turned off the microphone somewhere. Or that I crossed him and he no longer is listening. He cut the wires. And we quickly believe that God either no longer exists or no longer cares. Let me challenge you. As we look at Jesus' situation, we know what happens next. Right? The last verse, he says, here we go. Rise, let's go. Here comes the betrayer. Judas is coming with people. And he's about to be arrested. Was God no longer with Jesus in this moment? Had he left the situation? Absolutely not. James reminds us the prayer of a righteous person is powerful, powerful, and effective. I got a question for you. Are you willing to try and try it? Are you willing to try something with me this morning? All right, I, I know how to. I know how to answer this question. Who's not? Oh, good. Look, no one raised their hand. Perfect. Oh, except Randy. 
So every, all right, so the, the deal is everybody has to give Randy a hug before he leaves. No. <laughs> Not true, don't touch him. <laughs> That's a side joke. I'll probably get beat up when I get to the back there. <laughs> Rather, I'm going to try something different. We're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. Uh, you guys, if you guys want to come up right now, that would be great. And I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to sing the last song, and we're, there's not going to be a benediction, and I'll tell you why. I want you to find someone close to you and spend 30 seconds asking them what they need prayer for. And then I'm going to challenge you even more to spend another 30 seconds praying with them before you leave the sanctuary. Now, if you sneak out, I will see you. I have a trail camera on either window. I don't. They don't work. That's right. But in complete honesty, I want, I want you this morning to find someone close to you. And if you don't have anybody, come see me. But as we sing, I want you to prepare your hearts uh, to pray with someone who's close to you. So we're going to finish. We'll start singing. And I want to encourage you to find someone around you. There won't be a benediction. I'm going to the back. I want to encourage you to find someone who would be willing to pray with you, even just for a few moments. Because I think we need to practice that as a community. I think, I think husbands need to ask their wives what they need prayer for. Moms need to ask their, uh, their kids what they need, their pr- need prayer for. Don't hesitate. I know it feels kind of weird and awkward, but I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you and encourage you to find someone this morning to pray with. Would you please stand and sing?